Well, I have really enjoyed our sermon series on generosity, but I also have to admit that I've been quite challenged by it over the last five weeks. One of the things that I've really appreciated is the time in this five-week series to think through what it looks like, both as, a, as, as an individual Christian, as a church family, what it looks like to be generous in the way I live, and I use what God has entrusted me with. And as we end this, this series on generosity, I want to take some time this morning to do three things. Firstly, to re- review what we've learned. We've come a long way over five weeks. This is the sixth week. But we've learned a lot about what generosity is. And um, during this week and over the last weeks, I've been asking the Lord what the key issue for us is as a church to help us to move forward. So I'll be sharing a wee bit about that in order for us to grow in our generosity. And then uh, I want to suggest a possible, um, possible action plan for us to continue to grow in our generosity. So let's then take a moment to review what we've learned over the last five weeks. Uh, we've been so blessed by all our different speakers. In week one, we talked about a world built on generosity and we thought about how God is an incredible creator An incredible creator is generous and sustains and provides for us as we live in his creation. And we thought about what our response should be to this generosity. And it's one of thanksgiving to recognize what God has given you, which leads to praise. Praise God for who who he is. And then faith arises and we, we start to trust God with what he has given us so that we can live a life of generosity in response to what he has given us. And then Dave talked about what the problem of why we're not often generous, the inward curve of the heart. He looked at why humanity is not always generous, but often selfish, and how sin has corrupted hearts so that the natural orientation of the heart, how God designed us to be before, actually, because of sin, we often turn in. And we look to ourselves rather than looking to others. We look to build treasures on earth rather than heaven. Yet Jesus came to show us God's way, God's way of love and generosity. And we see that ultimately in Jesus giving his life, of laying his life down for us so that we could be forgiven and we could have a fresh start. I mean, that is generosity beyond belief. It's generosity which we don't deserve. And then Catherine talked about this new generous life that we're given. And she talked about how we're to live for Jesus in the power of the Spirit, being generous with what God has given us. And she wasn't just talking about money there. She was challenging us to think about how we can be generous in our thoughts, in our words, in our time, in our attention, in our, with our belongings and with our influence, all of things that we all have. In week four, I talked about money and the new life that Christ calls us to in his kingdom. I looked at the whole issue of being generous with the money that God has given to us as stewards on this earth. And we looked at the whole issue of tithing, seeing the importance of giving back to God a percentage of our income to the local church and then giving uh, to our responsibilities, but anything else, then we give to it as we see the need. And then last week, Sarah talked about the partnership of generosity. So I encourage us to look for ways where we can partner with God, partner with the Holy Spirit to be generous so that we see the kingdom of God come. And uh, she focused on the Macedonian church who were incredibly poor, but saw it as a great joy and privilege to, sh- to share 
in their finances to support the believers in Jerusalem who were struggling. And I don't know about you, but as I've, as I've read, I've written, I've listened, and I've reflected, I've tried to write down a statement that helps me continue to live a radically generous life for Jesus. And this is it. And it's not perfect, but it's what I've come to. So this is my statement that's going to help me to live a radically generous life. Living a radically generous life with my time, talents, money, and resources joyfully and without expecting anything back is simply a response to God's generosity to to me. I use the money God has given me to support my family and my responsibilities, my local church through my tithe, and other charities and peoples where there is a need where I can. In doing so, I'm partnering with God to bring His kingdom here on earth through what He has generously given to me, knowing that as I trust Him, He will provide for me. And I'd really encourage you just to think about what have you learned over these six weeks? What has stood out to you over the last five weeks as we have looked at this topic of generosity? I mean, so often we look at a topic and we move on quickly, don't we? But this is something that really needs to be in our hearts and we need to pray about, we need to consider, we need to meditate and ponder on and ask the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us in what He has entrusted us with. So what has stood out to you over the last five weeks? I'd really encourage you to take some time to think, well, what's God saying to me in the midst of that? On Monday evening, while I was driving down to see my mom, I started to think about this talk, and I was seeking the Lord. There was something about a key issue that I felt that we needed from the Lord in order to move forward as a church and as individuals to continue to be generous. And first, I want to thank you for your generosity you are an incredibly generous church, but I believe God's put this on our hearts so that we can even be even more generous. And so I want to just take a bit of time. The second point is to look at this key issue and to think about how that works in our lives for us to grow in our generosity. So after a while of driving down, it just shows that actually I can do two things at once. Sometimes I can't. But I can't. I could on this occasion. So I was praying with my eyes open uh, so I didn't crash. Uh, and the word that kept on coming was the word trust. The word trust. So I believe the key issue for us as a church and as individuals, as Christians, if we want to grow in our generosity, is to trust. To trust our Father who we know is good. So ex- let me explain that a wee bit more. So right at the beginning of time, God invited humanity into a trust relationship with him. He created a beautiful world for Adam and Eve and placed them in a garden where everything that they needed was provided as they trusted God. And the only thing that God told them not to do, asked them not to do, was not to eat of the fruit, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we talked about it in the first. God called them to trust him to define what is good and evil. And that makes sense. If someone has created you, he knows what is going to bless you and what is going to harm you. What is going to bless creation and what is going to harm creation. And right from the beginning, we therefore see God calling us into a trust relationship to trust him with what he has given us. He's called us to tend and care for his creation. And that would include humanity in that. 
Yet we know the story that started with Adam and Eve, don't we? And has continued throughout humanity's history. We failed to trust God and look to define what is good and evil for ourselves. And that's why creation is in such a state. That is why humanity's hearts are in such a state. Because they're defining what is good and evil. And that never goes well. When humanity, when we think we're going to define what's good and evil, that just does not go well. And that's why we need the Word of God. And we need to read the Word of God so we can know the Word of God. And we know what God says is good and what says is evil. So we can submit to God's Word and we can run away, we can free from what is not of Him. Trust is a heart issue. And and the meaning of the word trust can be defined as the assured reliance on the character, ability, strength, or truth of someone or something. And I don't know about you, but when I read the Bible, I'm reminded of just how faithful God is to his word, to all the promises that he has made. And the greatest of those promises for us is that he would send his son, Jesus Christ, into this world to save us from our sins and to give us eternal life and to open up the doorway to have a relationship with him, our loving father, and to become children of God. And he has been faithful in that. And so I believe God is a, and that was at great cost him, and I believe that shows us that God is a God that we can trust, that we can rely on, that his character is trustworthy, And one of, uh, I think one of the most challenging verses in the Bible for us in the Western culture is found in Proverbs 3, 5 to 6. And it says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. Let me read it again. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him. And he will make your path straight. Trust is a big thing for many of us. And some of us find it difficult to trust because of what we've experienced in life. Whether we've been let down or rejected by mums or dads, brothers or sisters, friends, and even sometimes sadly by our Christian friends or even our church. And the danger is then of what we've experienced to look on the world and to live our lives through that world of rejection and hurt and not trusting, where actually God has shown himself to be trustworthy to us. And so we need to look through the lens of trustworthy, of him, of what he says is trustworthy, is true. And we have to lean not on our own understanding, but we need to trust with our hearts. And that's very difficult for us in our Western culture because we're taught to think, to analyze. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, and I'm very grateful for those within our congregation who are academics and bringing light and life to a world which can often be just dark. But what Jesus calls us to do is to trust in the Lord who is faithful and lean not on our own understanding. When I first went to live and work in Wester Hales, uh, I remember being asked the same question by a lot of the kids that I worked with. When are you leaving? Now, (laughs) 
It wasn't because they wanted to get rid of me, although some of might have, but it was because of what they'd experienced in their lives being let down time and time again. And so someone new coming in, well, he's not going to last long, is he? He's not trustworthy to stay. And it's very difficult then to build trust and to say, oh, why don't you trust in Jesus? Because they've experienced so much rejection and unfaithfulness and breaking of promises. And so it took years. I was 16 and a half years in West Hills. And for some kids, it was just when I was leaving that they chose to believe in Jesus. God calls us to trust him with all our hearts. What the Bible means by using the word heart is not the organ in the chest that sustains life, but the word heart in the Old Testament here is being used to describe a place where you think and make sense of the world. So that's why it's really important to look through the lens of faith, to feel emotions such as joy or pain, fear or depression. And that's why it's important to give our hearts to the Lord, to guard our hearts so that the Lord can can, can bring healing and transformation. And then it's the place we make choices motivated by our desires. And that's why it's so key, key that we give our lives to the Lord and we keep short accounts with him. So in the Bible, the heart is at the center of all human, human existence. And that's why the Bible calls us to guard your heart because from it flows your whole life. Let me say that again. Guard your heart because it flows... It flows your whole life, from it your whole, flows your whole life. And if we don't give our heart to the Lord, then that's where our lives go off. The Bible calls us to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your understanding. But often we fail to trust the Lord and we lean not on God's word but our own understanding. And that's because, as I've said, it's because of what we've experienced. God has entrusted us with so much. And as we live a radically generous life, we're simply placing our trust not in things, but in God. Now, that doesn't mean that life's all going to be squeaky clean, because actually Jesus said, in this life, you will have trouble. But what it means is that we have a God who we walk with and is faithful through all this. And that's the difference. As we trust him with the things that he has given us, we can live a generous life. Why? Well, look at what Jesus said. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. I, I, I remember something that Bill Johnson said. He said, the world and often Christians go after the things that they need rather than the kingdom and his righteousness, especially Christians. And then they ask, well, why don't I have the things that I need? Well, it's because you're not doing what the Bible said. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And the promise is, all these things will be given to you as well. But if you go after those things and not after God, in a sense, you're stopping God being generous to you. And as we go after his kingdom and his righteousness, that's why we're generous with what God has given us with our money giving a generous percentage of our income back to God through our tie to the church. And as we do this, God will continue to provide for us financially and we'll see his kingdom come and we get to partner with him. Why are we, 
it's why we're generous with our resources, not building up treasures on earth, but treasures in heaven, because we know we've got a God who can meet all our needs, as Paul said, and that's why we're generous with our time and our talents, to serve and to be loved to others. Why? Because as we do so, God will continue to provide for us, whether emotionally, physically, or spiritually, and we'll see the kingdom come here on earth. Is this easy? No, it's not. As we trust the Lord with all our hearts and lean not on our own understanding, in all our ways submit to him, and, he, and the promise he will make your path straight. And that's backed up with what Jesus said in Matthew 6.30, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. You see, as we trust God with everything, and we, and we submit not to our ways, but to God's ways, he makes our path straight, or as Jesus said, All these things will be given to you as well. If there's one thing that you remember from this morning, I want you to remember that. God calls us to be generous because it demonstrates our love and our trust for him that he will provide as a good, good father. But when we live in fear, we live like this, holding on to the things that God's given us. And it stops God's partnership with us that he wants him. But when we live like this, We see the kingdom come in so many words, through our words, through our thoughts, through our resources, through our time. And it's wonderful. You know, these are difficult times. This might be a difficult season for you financially. It might be a difficult season for you relationally because your career is not going as you wanted it or because of ill health. I would encourage you to trust your heavenly Father. You know, it's, it's easy to say we trust in the good times, isn't it? But we're not really trusting God. We're often just trusting our own, you know, abilities, maybe finances. But when things really go wrong, that's an opportunity to see God's faithfulness in our lives. For him to meet our needs spiritually, physically, and emotionally. And these are the times we'll look back on and go, wow, God, you're so good. But when we face a difficult time and we don't go to God, we're actually missing an opportunity for God to encounter us as a good, good father. I really encourage you, church. You might be really going through it, but this is a time to trust him, to be honest with him, to be real with him, to tell him what you need. So that you can see how faithful our God is. To trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not in your own understanding. There are certain things, countless times in my life, where I've seen a dead end. There's nothing in the physical that can possibly change the situation. And I've come to God. And I've prayed and I've cried out to God. And then heaven has invaded. And a way has appeared forward. We have a choice each day to trust ourselves with our limited resources or place our trust in a God and trust in his unlimited resources as we live a prayerful, generous life. I was, I was really challenged as I was reading uh, the book, which we've kind of based this all, The Generosity Project, and they told the story of John Wesley. Uh, as his writings and ministry became more popular, he saw his income increase, and he became a very wealthy man. And as his income increased, he resolved to increase not his standard of living, but his standard of giving. 
So in 1731, Wesley began to limit his expenses so he would have money to give to the poor. So this just says, it teaches us, just sometimes we need to start small and go big, okay? So in, one, in the first year, he saw his income um, was 30 pounds. That was his living expense, and his living expenses was 28. So he gave two pounds to the poor. The next year, his income doubled, but he still lived on 28 pounds, and he gave 32 pounds away. In the third year, his income jumped up to 90 pounds, and again, he lived on 28 pounds and gave 62 pounds away. The fourth year, made 120, and he, he, he lived off 28, and he gave 92 to the poor. If our income increases, then we have to decide whether our standard of living increases or our standard of giving increases. Wesley began this practice at Oxford, and he continued it through his life. Even when his income rose to thousands of pounds, he lived simply and quite quickly, he gave his surplus away. We need to be faithful stewards with what God has given us, not to waste our time, our talents, our resources, our money, but to invest them in the things of God. We need to be faithful stewards with what God has given us, not waste them. And I find what Jesus says in Luke's gospel very challenging. It says this, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be, sorry, whoever can be trusted with little can also be trusted with much. Whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? That's, that's things of the kingdom. And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? That's saying, look, God has given you money. This is not your stuff. This is God's stuff. But if you can't be entrusted that, he's not going to give you more. No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now notice that Jesus uses the word trust. Whoever can be trusted. Jesus is making the point that if we can be trusted with the little things that God has given us, then we'll also be trusted with much. And if we're dishonest with little things, then God has given us, we'll also be dishonest with life. It just goes through life. He's saying how you start is how you finish. So start well. This is why it's so important to take time to prayerfully plan how you're going to be generous with what God has entrusted you with. And Jesus goes on to speak of things that are much greater than worldly riches, heavenly things, anointings and and ministries. So it's really important that we're faithful with what God's given us. It's all God's. Remember what J. John said? They're all his donuts. You know, open-hearted generosity brings blessing into our lives. Remember this, Paul says to the Corinthians, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things and at all times, having all that you need, you are bound in every good work. And he was a man who knew that. Paul learned what it meant to live with riches and also with not a lot, but he learned to be content, and he learned to trust in the Lord. 
So trust, I believe, is something that we need to develop in our lives with what God has given us if we want to grow in generosity. And that's not being foolish. That's being wise. And that's why in the last part I want to talk about how do we then develop a radically generous life? And I believe we need to develop a plan, an action plan. Uh, I really encourage you to take a, uh, an, uh, uh, some time after this to, to make a prayerful plan of how you're going to be generous with what God's given you. And that includes myself here. We need to ask God's help in refocusing our priorities, our spending habits, and then prepare a budget for our time and money. Some of the questions that we might need to ask are, why or where are my resources currently being used? What responsibilities do I need to meet with faithfulness? What opportunities are there for me to partner with the gospel? What is left over after everything? So I want to suggest just a three-step plan here. And so let's firstly look at our time, talents, and our resources. So the first thing is just to assess. It's to look at what God has given you with your giftings, with your resources, and with your time. And maybe you might even have to think, "Mm, I'm not sure going to this is what God's called me to. Maybe I need to be involved in this. So it's just to start. It's look at having an overview to assess what God has given you. And what time you have to give. And then the second is to, to go to God and pray. To ask God to guide you and provide opportunities so that you would be a, be a, a generous person. That you would live a radically generous life. So just pray. Just say, Lord, these are the resources. These are all the things I have. And then pray and ask the Spirit to guide you. And then step three Put your prayerful plan in place. So let's just say you are looking at, you're assessing your, your talents, your resources, your time, and you think, oh, I, I think I've got talents to work with young people. And you pray and you feel, oh, yeah, I feel the Spirit encouraging me. And then you, you remember, oh, Caitlin stood up the other day and asked for helpers on a Saturday to develop some of our primary socials, which are amazing. Uh, Ellie went to one yesterday, and my goodness, I've never seen so much icing and crumbs all over Lady Croft. It was wonderful. And boy, did they have a good time. And it's an amazing way to, to reach out. Or maybe you heard Lynn speak about the Wellness Center, and you think, oh, I'm a really good listener. I just love to listen. Well, maybe that's counseling's for you. Maybe you should think about talking to Lynn and going on that course. Or maybe there's a venture in your, your own community which you want to go, I, I've, I could do that. I could be a light in that. It could, it could be like something like the Cubs or the Scouts or it could be in, like in a choir or something. Where you can be light, salt and light, is really key. You know, um, when I was a student, I didn't have a lot of money. Although all my friends laugh because my mum and dad had given me this Marks and Spencer's card and it had 30 pounds on it each week. And like they're all going, oh, can you buy those biscuits all? And like, you know, I was like, I mean, my, I used to open my cupboards and go, where's all my food gone? It's just like, so I used to hide it. But do you know what? I didn't have, <laughs> I didn't have a lot of money, but what I did have a lot of time uh, was time. I had a lot of time. And so um, I really love youth work. And so uh, I found out that there was this amazing uh, Christian community youth uh, project, uh, and 
And I hadn't done a much community youth work, so I thought, right, I'm going to go in. And there was this really funny guy. Uh, he was like, he was about six foot eight. I mean, he was a massive guy. And, um, and he was, all right, mate, all right. Uh, and his name was Chris. And he said, oh, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? I said, I just want to serve. What? And he said, well, you can, you can work with this group of uh, teenage boys. Oh, my goodness. The first night I got hit by a pool cue. I mean, it was just like, wow. You know, but I had a lot of time. And that's what I could give at that time. There are going to be seasons where you can give different things. But it's really important that we assess, we pray, and then we put a plan together. And then, let's take money. Step one is to assess. Where you see what your income is, what your outgoings are, what your responsibilities are. You work out your tithe and your budget and your plan, and that's really important. And you pray, then pray and say, God, what, what is the money that I should give? Is there a need or whatever it is? And then you put that prayerful plan into effect. Benjamin Franklin said this, by failing to plan, you are preparing to fail. And Winston Churchill, they said, he who fails to plan is planning to fail. You know, it's good to plan. It's good to think, well, this is what you've given me, God. This is the time I've got. These are the talents I've got. Okay, this is what I could do. So I'd really encourage you to put your trust in the Father who's given you all this stuff. Why has he given it you all? So it can be a blessing not just to you and your family, but to others around you. So take some time to assess to see all that God's given you, to pray so that God can direct you and you can have time just to listen. And that might take a while. And then to put your trust in him, to use the resources that he has given to be, live a generous life and to be a blessing. I have to say I've been really challenged by the last five, six weeks. And I'm going to go back and look at all the things that God has given me and what I am using them for. And I'd encourage you to do the same because I believe as we do this, we will be, we'll be blessed even more. You know, I really do believe that as we give, as we take time, we'll see the kingdom of God come. I, I'm going to share a wee bit about what it looks like um, to, to use the things God's given us to position ourselves for the miraculous tonight. And it's not brain science. It's just using the things that God's given us in order to say, there you go, God, what are you going to do with that? So maybe a kind word or a gift or just taking time to say hello to someone and then seeing the kingdom invade. There are so many times, I've got so many stories where I didn't feel I had anything to give and I just said something and then God used that. So many times I've prayed without little faith and God's used that. God wants to use you to bring his kingdom. If you, you know, if you say, well, the Christian life is boring, well, well, assess, pray and plan, and then get involved and see what God does through you. I can tell you it's going to be a journey. Is it always going to be smooth? No, it's not. Is it going to be exciting? Definitely. Because following Jesus as seeking his kingdom means we need to trust him and rely on him and not the resources that we so often rely on. So let's pray. And if the bank could up, that would be great. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your generosity to us.
Lord, you give without expecting anything in return. But Lord, when we are cheerful givers, boy, do we get blessed. And Lord, I firstly want to thank um, the church, St. Mungo's, for being so generous with what uh, they have been given. Lord, just in the Christmas appeal to be able to bless a, a country which is now suffering the effects of an earthquake. Lord, to be able to give to our seven main mission partners and see kingdom happening. Lord, that is such a blessing. And you call us to invest in the kingdom. And Lord, I pray that you would help us. Lord, as we go away and assess, would you remind us what the gifts and talents you've given us? Even when we go, oh no, God, I'm not a, I'm not a good... Uh, well, actually, you've given us gifts and talents and you believe in us. And as we assess, help us to pray. And as we put this plan together, I pray that you would begin a new season in our lives of seeing your kingdom come as we are generous with what you've given us, both as individuals and as a church. And so we ask for a fresh outpouring of your spirit upon us. A fresh hunger for you just to be generous, for look for opportunities so that you would be glorified and people would know the wonderful name of Jesus to be a name that they can trust as Savior, as provider, as healer, as transformer, as the good shepherd who guides them, all through generous testimonies. So we give you thanks and we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen.